The reading is taken from 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending you my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We only preach so that we can take our masks off. (laughs) So, good morning, or as we say on YouTube, hi church. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may the words that I speak be only from you. And may the prayers and thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable to you as we base our lives upon you, the rock. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Are you an influencer? This is a, a new phrase that's come about in the last few years. You can now actually have a job as an influencer. It doesn't mean somebody who has a traditional position of leadership, such as government or um, politics or business. It's somebody who has a lot of people who follow them and who do what they do. They might have a YouTube channel. They might have millions of followers around the world. They may not have any qualifications, any official recognition, but people do what they do. They've bypassed traditional routes of power and influence, and now advertisers pour billions of dollars into them because of the way that they have an effect on others. And governments have started listening to them as well. And now they even get to go on Strictly Come Dancing. Well, our theme today, as part of our series, Making a Difference Where You Are, is influence who you can. And we want to think about how we can influence people for good, for God, for the kingdom. If you're not a leader like Adam in the video, don't switch off, because influence goes up and out and down. So let's think about the story that we had from the Bible. As Joe already said, there's a key character in this who isn't what you would normally expect. But the story of Naaman is a fun story, if you like. But maybe we could just summarize it and recap it in a few headlines. So if we were to see headlines in the, in the newspapers about this story, it might say, Army Chief reveals shocking skin disease. Hope for Commander's Cure, offered by Immigrant Serving Girl. Commander-in-Chief seeks audience with King of Israel. International tensions rise in Aram, Israel, cure claim. Prophet Elisha sends messenger in shock snub to Commander Naaman. And then there might have been a news report. Sources close to the commander told us last night that Naaman hit the roof when the prophet would not even come and meet him outside but he followed his instructions to bathe seven times in the Jordan, and he is now reported to be convalescing after completely successful treatment. And then maybe a final headline. The God of Israel healed me, claims Commander-in-Chief at lively after-party with King of Israel. So that's the story, and we've already identified this key character, the serving girl who was trafficked from Israel. She was the one who pointed her master in the right direction to be healed. And the right direction was, of course, to God. And from that, he then swore his allegiance to God and turned his back on the gods that he had been worshipping. And it all stems from those two little verses, verses 2 and 3. It says, Bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's, life, Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. That's all we have to go on. But I think we can imagine the life of this girl and the way that she was able to influence. Firstly, how did she know about the God of Israel? Because she was living in a foreign land and she had probably been trafficked as a young person, as a child. I wonder what she could remember from her childhood, from what maybe her family and her community had taught her. I wonder what she had learned from other Israelites who had 
come with her and perhaps we're trying to keep the faith in God alive. It really gives me hope for Jigsaw and for Cresh and for Sparklers that those little children here at church, we teach them little rhymes and little songs that they can use at home. Who knows what little roots that those things make into people's lives that then really help them to turn to God in the future. And if you're a parent or a grandparent or a godparent or an auntie or an uncle, you're definitely influencing the, the generation below you. But all of us here at church have an influence on the children and the young people at our church by the way that we worship, the way that we give, the way that we socialize, the way that we handle conflict. So I wonder who we are influencing for good, for God, and who else could we take under our wing and encourage, like I suspect this serving girl had, people who took her under their wing and kept alive her faith and encouraged her. The second question is, why did anyone take any notice when she did speak? People don't normally listen to a traffic slave. And it was very risky for Naaman to take her up on this suggestion. It nearly caused a diplomatic incident and a war. And it must have been very humiliating for him. So why did he do it? And if you think about it, it must have been the way that this girl was living. She must have been making good work, because who would listen to a servant who didn't do well? She must have been ministering grace and love. She must have been showing kindness to people, maybe to her master and mistress, maybe to people around her, and we don't know. But why else would she have been respected so much that her suggestion was taken to Naaman and he acted upon it? She had influence, not because of her position, but because she was working for a higher power, higher than kings and commanders-in-chief even, working for God. And there are people like that all over the place. You might find them in the boardroom, in the classroom, at the school gate, in a social club, in your street. You might not be able to tell by looking at them, but they are influencers for the kingdom because they follow a higher power, the Lord, and they're filled with that higher power, the Holy Spirit. Are you one of them? I think so. You might be in leadership like Adam. As Joe said, what an amazing boss to have, someone who says that they want to serve like the servant king. Adam gave some ideas of those, for those of us who are in leadership. He talked about compassion. He talked about prayer. He talked about understanding. Even though he can't make coffee for his colleagues anymore, he can still show those gifts. But if you're not in leadership, don't sit back because you can lead up as well as down. The way that you respond to others, those in authority, the way that you speak to people of power has influence. And the way that you speak to powerless people around you has influence too. Because we're very social creatures, aren't we? We mimic each other. And I was thinking about this. If I go into a coffee shop with a friend and uh, they say, oh, do you want a cake? Uh, if they say, I'm having one, then I'll always say, oh, yes, please, yes. Um, and if they say, oh, I better not, I won't have one, but do you want one? <laughs> I'll always say, no, no, no. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> we mimic each other and we very easily follow someone else. Uh, there was an experiment a few years ago with children and they set up a mock sweet shop and the, and the shop sold sweets and it sold fruit. And they had posters on the walls 
uh, about your five a day and how healthy food is good for you and fruit is good for you. But they gave the the money to the children and they said, you can go and buy whatever you like and take it home. And the children who followed somebody who bought fruit, bought fruit. And the children who didn't have anyone to guide them or followed somebody who bought sweets, bought sweets. And it was a very striking statistic about how many children responded in that way. And I think adults are really no better, are we? If somebody else, if your neighbor is buying something or doing something, we tend to copy them. I wonder if you've got to know your neighbors better over this last few months. We've talked quite a lot about this new front line, this new opportunity that we have. I feel like we're having deeper conversations with people, with family and friends and neighbors or colleagues. And so there are new opportunities to influence who you can both indirectly by the way that we do things, but also directly by talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So use those opportunities, pray about them, think about them, think about your neighbours. Who is God calling you to take under your wing? Who is God calling you to support? Who is God calling you to influence? Now, where we live, we are overlooked by several houses, so pretty much everything we did during lockdown was visible. Uh, and heard if not seen Uh, and so the same for our neighbours so that was quite a challenge for us what we were doing in our garden how we spoke about people that others could overhear and so on you may be lucky to have a bit more space but uh, wherever you are whatever you're doing people will see what car you park in your drive what shopping you're bringing home what music you play and so on and amazingly we can even influence people who we don't like or who don't like us And that was very striking the way that Adam described that, I thought. He said, I want to have compassion for people that I know don't like me. What a mature attitude. I don't know if this serving girl liked Naaman and his wife. Maybe not. They may have been terrible bosses. Slave owners are not known to be sympathetic, necessarily. We don't know. But if she did have a hard time, then that's all the more impressive what she did, wasn't it? Because she didn't have to. It's an example of grace. We can also influence even when we are feeling that we're struggling. Aidan talked last week about that emotional exhaustion that so many people are facing. We can influence people in those times, not by doing superhuman things and pretending that everything is fine, but by walking through these things with God and allowing other people in to share our walk so that they can see how God is dealing with us in those times. They can see how we're dealing with God and they might glimpse God's glory through it. So let's look to extend and make the biggest impact with the influence that we can. Let's pause for a moment and just think, who is God placing upon your heart to influence? Who is he calling you to pray for? How might you influence them to draw closer to God and to live a more fruitful and fulfilling life? And is there anyone new that he's calling you to have influence with? Because we want the ripples to spread further and further out so that more and more people are gathered into the kingdom. Let's not be satisfied with the people that we currently deal with who we feel that we're influencing for good. Let's look out. Who is mimicking us? Who is watching us? 
Who can we live well for so that they can live well? We need prayer, don't we? Because we can influence the wrong way. And in our bad moments, in our difficult moments, we might well make mistakes and we need that forgiveness. So I'm going to just turn to some prayer now to commit ourselves as influencers. Father, I want to pray first for those of us who feel that we just have nothing to offer as influencers because we're just surviving. Thank you, Father, that this might be the perfect time for others to see you at work in our weakness. Bless these people and lift their spirits as they turn to you. Father, some of us might feel excited about how God might use us to influence others for the kingdom. If that's us, we pray that we would walk each day with humility, wisdom, in your strength, and that we would start with prayer. And Father, I want to pray specially for those who have a particular gift in this area, either because of their position or their personality, that they're the sort of person that other people follow. Let's all pray for them as a church. Let's pray for the influence that they've already gained. Let's give thanks for that. Let's pray for them for particular wisdom, strength, and humility as they hold on. We pray that they would use their voice wisely. We pray that they be guided by you in all things for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.